Hello, this is Hardin Coleman, Faculty Director for the Center for Character and Social Responsibility at Boston University's Wheelock College of Education and Human Development. You're listening to the very first season of Caring, Character, and Community, the Center's podcast. In this season, we will focus on learning from leaders about how they integrate the ethic of caring, they focus on their own and others' character development, and a commitment to serving the needs of the community in order to guide and inform their leadership decisions in times of crisis. This is part one of our inaugural season, which will focus on bringing you the perspectives of four PK through 12 leaders. On October 5th, 2021 at 7.30, you will have the opportunity to participate in a webinar with these leaders in which you can ask them clarifying questions about their approach to this important work, which will certainly be a rich conversation. You can also feel free to email me your questions to me in advance at harden.bu.edu or post in the comments sections on our Substack website, ccsr.substack.com. In today's episode, I'll be interviewing Karen Bolin on the importance of developing a caring, compassion framework, a compass, for guiding a leader and community response to crisis. Welcome, Karen. I want to let you know how much it means to me in the Center for Character and Social Responsibility that you are sharing your time with us to talk about the role of caring, character, and commitment as a leader during times of crisis. These past few years have been filled with myriad challenges, including a pandemic, major political changes, conflicts throughout the world, responding to climate change, and increasing emphasis on the importance of getting equitable access to high-quality learning for all even as the definition of equity and high-quality learning are changing. You have been a leader of a PK-12 institution during this time, and we're very interested in learning how caring, character, and commitment to students, faculty, and parents have influenced your leadership decisions throughout the last year and in your current work coaching leaders. To get going, would you please introduce yourself and your current work and the educational institution of which you were a leader for 18 years? Sure. Um, My name is Karen Bolin. I have uh, been the head of the Montrose School in Medfield, Massachusetts for the last 18 years, but I've had a 30-year career in in education, higher education, secondary schools, um, with a primary focus on helping leaders really tap into all of their potential to lead not only in a crisis, but um, to tap into that capacity to navigate the ordinary and the stresses so that they can create formative institutions. What do you appreciate about your work and what were some of the unique challenges you have faced in your tenure? I think, um, there. Are, well, first of all, there's no work that's more noble than really shaping a community. And there's many parallels, right? Family, any, any youth serving organization, leading a school is really a, it's a privilege and it's, it's an honor. And so, um, when I think about all of the challenges I've faced throughout my career in in the school's world, that's just one application of my work. Um, I think about how important it is to bring together the adults so that they can create and shape a culture in which young people can thrive. And so adults um, face a number of different challenges and certainly have in the last two years um, that have affected their families, their economic situation, um, the the challenges of, of how they do school, teaching and learning. 
um, administering a school in this environment has been enormously challenging. And we um, need to take care of the folks on the front lines so that they can stay not only agile, but committed to those very um, deep reasons that drew them into education in the first place, which is caring character and, and commitment to changing the lives of young people for the better. Yeah, thank you. So, so a little more explicitly, how does care and being care play into your decision making? And where do you think that is challenged? Yeah, I think that um, it's challenged. Caring is challenged when leaders and, and all leaders, but particularly educational leaders at this moment in time, um, are challenged by various demands. You know, they, they can be um, economic demands, bureaucratic demands, compliance demands, safety, testing, standardized testing. And so it's, it's that myriad and complexity of um, expectations externally, internally. Um, it's that very careful uh, leadership and management required of a complex organization. You've, you've got you've got students, teachers, parents, caregivers, all of whom you have to sort of conduct in in some harmonious whole. So, if a leader loses sight of his or her north star, um, it's very easy to become depleted, overwrought, or just put out fires. Um, instead of really uh, illuminating a pathway for, for everyone in the school community to move forward. Right, thank you, thank you. But, and again, when you think about character, what does that mean to you, and how do you see it playing a role in your decision-making as a school leader? Sure, I mean, I mean character is about who we are. Um, character is the is we, we want to develop in, in ourselves those those habits and dispositions um, that don't just help us achieve certain performance goals but help us to become a certain kind of person I mean and we all know from you know who we admire most might be a, our grandmother because of her unfailing selflessness and generosity it might be Atticus Finch it, you know might be um, a dear friend or mentor. It, it's people who treated us certain ways. It's people whose, whose fairness and justice and above all kindness and love, whose incredible professional competence is always paired with caring and commitment. These are the people we admire most. So it's developing those habits of mind, heart, and character um, that are really at the heart of sustainable life change you know what are those habits that we all agree on that help young people to flourish and um so when we think about character we think about uh kindness respect um, fair-mindedness integrity courage and to as a as a leader of a school community we want to be thinking about all the time how is it that every decision we make is formative is is helping the adults model coach and teach these habits of of courage of kindness of fairness how is it that every program we develop 
is advancing a way, it's creating the conditions and the context in which young people can learn to develop these habits and really thrive as individuals and collectively as a community. So leaders are really building cultures conducive to um, to these habits. They're, they're being very mindful that they're not just focused on, um, on, on following policy, being compliant, following the, the expectations of, um, of, of order and safety. Those are fundamental, those are sort of baseline, but they're creating an environment that's really conducive to this deep personal and intellectual growth that's transformative. That's, that's what it means to be committed to, to character, mm-hmm. keeping that a priority in every decision. So this, this, this is a, maybe another way to get at this question, too. But in PK-12 education, you think of three major constituents, students, their parents, and their teachers. They each have different needs, and those needs can sometimes exist in tension with each other. In your work, how do you manage to balance your commitment to each of these groups? Right. Well, um, my work um, is with leaders. So how do you help the leaders, whether it's people on the administrative management team, um, teachers, work in such a way that every decision we make is serving the students? And so um, creating a mindset and, you know, what's what's so central to my work right now is this practical wisdom framework. Creating a mindset where all of the adults and the leaders are constantly asking the question every time you have a conflict, whether it's with a parent and a teacher or with a student and another student. We want to model uh, an approach to decision making, conflict resolution, courageous dialogue that um, helps us press pause and, and ask the critical questions. What are we aiming at and why? Um, and how do we bring everyone, all of these constituents together around a common aim. Um, how, do we, how do we problem solve and make decisions in a way that honors the agency of all the stakeholders? So their, their voice is heard, they feel honored and respected, um, and we give time and attention. We put them in, in a place where they, they can have some, some ownership and some participation that's meaningful and, and fitting. And, and finally, it's really important that the leaders are very adept at understanding the context, the context of each student situation, the context of the, the teacher's situation, the context of the parent's situation. So to develop that sensitivity to context, to develop that practice, that habit of pressing pause and saying, what are we aiming at? And, and asking those good questions, to develop that um, capacity to honor the agency of everyone involved. We, we, need, we need a compass. We need that ready compass at yeah. hand because you know, we're, we're going to be challenged. You know, sometimes we're gonna be putting out fires. We're gonna be under stress and pressure. And so what's important is this this mental model that, that we can teach everyone to, to press pause and reflect 
Um, once we ask these questions, we assess the context, we engage everybody in conversation. That might take more than one conversation, more than one meeting. Um, it may require some recalibration, stepping away, giving people time to think. And then we're in a position to make wise prudential judgments. It's when we skip the steps and we just react in the moment, or we give in to political pressures, or we don't bring the right parties to the table, that we make those decisions that kind of, you know, are short term and um, not formative. Um, and, you know, that doesn't mean we're, we're, we're human beings and we're, we're works in progress and we're going to make bad decisions. But still, if we, if we can consult this, this compass, this practical wisdom framework and reflect even on a bad decision, again, bring people together. What is our aim? What, what do we know about this situation? What do we need to know? Who can help? Really understand that context and those individuals. And then honor the agency. Honor their first reactions. Understand the heat uh-huh. of the moment. Mm-hmm. And give, afford yourself the time and the space to deliberate well. You know, so that's what's so important to me, both as a school leader at Montrose. Um, mm-hmm. My team did this beautifully. You know, we would apply this compass. And now I'm applying it with um, leaders much more broadly because the challenge for us is to know what to do and we don't know what to do. The challenge for us is not just to respond idiosyncratically or you know shoot from the hip based on what we've done in similar situations. The challenge is to establish and to tap into that compass that's going to help us make wise prudential decisions and to have that mental model at hand so mm-hmm. that we can kind of cut through some of that stress and pressure and politics and and be be at peace with how we've made a decision. You know, Karen, one of the things that I I find very moving in what you shared is not only does it sound like you want to center the the personhood, uh, the being of, of your faculty, of the of the students, of the parents is centered to the conversation that they need to be held and cared for in the structure of the institution, but also some forgiveness of our own frailties, to kind of recognize that we're not always perfect and that we're going to make mistakes, and it's how we remain engaged in our own humanity as in addition to that of our, 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 our colleagues and our students, that that's where the real work is. It takes effort and work, but centering the, the, that personhood is key to moving forward. Did I hear that correctly? Absolutely. Um, I think that, that this, when we tap into this compass and we really you know, reflect, recalibrate, respond, we're doing it because we're honoring the dignity of every individual in the school community at our own dignity. We're doing it because we know we're works in progress and we need to sort of revisit and begin again. And we're doing it because we have this very high and noble aim, which is to you know honor um, each member of our of our school community and and our own um, journey in life. And and anyone who leads a formative institution, particularly a school environment, um, is putting themselves out there. Is is putting themselves out there. They are giving um, above and beyond uh, in in a in an environment that's that's compressed and, and unrelenting. And and you accompany um, educators and parents and children 
at times in their life where they experience great loss, um, where they experience, uh, you know, great moments and small moments of change and growth that need to be celebrated and honored. But we really are walking with them at the most formative times in their lives. Mm -hmm. And we can't be superhuman. We do need to have that healthy self-compassion. And that's why we also need to build build shared leadership practices. And again, it's so important to have that you know mental model in hand. And this is where the practical wisdom framework has been so well received by uh-huh. educators because we can all lean in, press pause, and, and have these questions to help ground us. What are we aiming at and why? Whether we're making a decision about a program masks, no masks, safety, or we're responding to a particular crisis and, and yep. you know, feelings are, are hot and sensitive and we need to really make space for meaningful conversation. Thank you. So, so over the past several years, particularly with regard to the variety of crises educators have faced, can you give us an example of how, of how putting caring character and our commitment to others first as a leader, had a positive impact on your institution or your other work in, in, in coaching other leaders? Sure. I think that um, when I think back to, you know, all of the challenges we faced in this pandemic from um, the suddenness of quarantine to all of our uh, students and families being separate and experiencing uh, George Floyd's devastating death you know and and then having to prepare to come back to school there's so so many sensitive um mental health issues so many strains and stresses on the adults so it's been really really important you said it beautifully before that the leaders in the school came together to discuss how do we hold our school community. What do people need first as human beings um, so that we can begin to think about teaching and learning? How do we respond to this particular crisis in a way that first allows us to honor everyone's initial reactions, sort of emotional place? Um, How do we provide the space for that conversation, even if it's mediated by by Zoom, um, because so many big and explosive things and challenging things have happened that we've made it and I've made it. Um, my practice and the practical wisdom framework helps to do that, to say, let's always start with honoring first reactions. How are you doing? What do you need? And just to make space for that conversation before we talk about the next agenda item. You know, how are we going to adapt to school? Um, one, when you do that, our, the faculty at Montrose School were so incredibly grateful for the time and space for conversation. So incredibly grateful for the intergenerational support and learning how to adapt to technology. So incredibly grateful for the surveys and the conversations about what small changes would make the biggest difference right now. Doing that human pre-work takes a little bit of extra time up front, but then all of the 
implementation, the intellectual work of teaching and learning, the using technology, the developing you know, new programs so that students can have courageous dialogue. Um, all of that work can go so much more smoothly and you have mm-hmm. buy-in and engagement because those human conversations um, were prioritized up front. And again, that's just part of what is so important in the leadership coaching and work I do now. We have to acknowledge and honor first reactions to whatever the conflict, the challenge is, make space for that before we can move into productive reflection, study, and, and really engage in that um, hard next step work and implementation. And I think that when people try to affect change before inviting um, your inviting everybody to speak about what concerns them the most, you know, you end up going backwards and starting over at some point. That's true at work and in our families too. That's a great model. But can you give me an example of a time when putting character, caring, and commitment to others first did not work out the way you thought it would? Yeah, that's a good question. Um, I can't think of a... I I certainly... um, certainly had a variety of responses when we did put um, caring and character first. Uh, For example, just writing a letter to uh, our parents and students and school community um, uh, right after uh, George Floyd was killed and a lot of people were enormously grateful. The school community was enormously grateful. Um, and we, the students had an initiative, a, a prayer service, a meeting, a, a community Juneteenth event. There was a lot of phenomenal growth. And then there are people outside, further out in the school community, you're not talking enough about the police, you're, or you're not talking enough about this, you're not talking, all of a sudden, there was a lot of explosion um, and critique of how we started acknowledging, you know, grieving not only yep. this loss, but several lives lost and what we needed to look at um, and how we were going to have this conversation with our students. And I was met with some pretty serious reaction from people who were not currently in our school community. So the the pastoral response, if you will, to our current students and parents was very well received and, and mm-hmm. faculty as well. Um, but there's always critics of schools and school communities from the outside who want to um, label what you're doing. And of course, they don't have full context and yep. they don't yep. understand your role and they're not there. So you've, you've always got a jury outside. Um, I think, too, you know, in, in my many years in, in education, I think we've always responded um, to those, those tragedies, you know, that, that, that happen. You lose someone in your school community. Um, and that's always been well, well 
received by, um, by students and families. Well, you always have someone a little worried, you know, that you're, you just got to get back and focus on school. It'd be interesting. The the other the two of the other leaders who are going to be sharing their thoughts with us in this conversation. One is doing work similar work in the context of being an international school in Beijing, where they have the whole uh, larger political context, which is very involved in the school thinking how to care for their kids and what they need now and how to be respectful for those demands. And the other is a public school leader who has all those other kind of the community sometimes needs uh, interfere with the, the ability to focus on children. So the fact that you've kind of emphasized and lift up the need of the, your, your proximate community first and the challenges that that creates is, is a very right. important message for us all. So but before we let you go, as you think about how uh, you have integrated caring character and commitment into your leadership style while managing crises over the year, what advice would you give your younger self as she was entering this field? Yeah, that's a great question. I, I think I probably would tell my younger self um, to remember that there's no, there's no uh, growth and comfort, and no comfort and growth. And all of these challenges you meet with are are not challenges you as an individual have to solve and have all the right answers to, um, but to stay agile and step away from the wall and enlist that, that team of folks. Um, and, and the wisest responses can be made when, we, when you stay calm and you reflect mm-hmm. together. Um, mm-hmm. And that, you know, it, the, the problem is not a mistake. Mistakes are not problems. Um, they're, they're opportunities to then reflect and, and mm-hmm be humble and communicate next steps are huge opportunities to build, to build trust and, um, and unity as, as a school community. So I think I would have told my younger self to take some of the the heat off. Maybe, maybe she'd have fewer gray hairs, but, uh, (laughs) as a result, but sometimes you can't, um, yeah, you can't know at the time you're just, you're just Mm -hmm. working so hard. Well, Karen, we want to thank you so much for sharing your time with us, and we so deeply respect the work that you've done, uh, both at Montrose and throughout the educational community and your leadership, and we appreciate your, your affiliation with the center greatly, and as it helps us find better ways to help leaders take their role in a caring, thoughtful manner. So we really appreciate the work you're doing and the time you spent. So once again, thank you for your time, and look forward to more work together. Great. Thank you, Hardin. It's good to be here. Appreciate it. Take care. Thank you for listening to Caring, Character, and Community, the podcast of the Center for Character and Social Responsibility at Boston University's Wheelock College of Education and Human Development. The development of this podcast is made possible with the generous support from BU's Wheelock College of Education and Human Development, the Kern Family Foundation, and Lizzie Barquet, whose editorial and production assistance is fundamental to this work. We also thank Karen Boland for sharing her story with us. The music you're hearing Lucy Buys by Doug Maxwell, produced by Media Rights Company. I'm Hardin Coleman, and thank you so much for listening.